Good morning, everybody. It is Sunday, January 30th. This is Man Coverage with Knoxville Nate and James Peter Bonneville. How are you doing this morning, James? Any better be a crime. Ah, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. We so I, first off, I got to ask, who are you sporting today? Like what, today what, what we are rocking yeah. the Brandon Chilar uh, UCLA Bruins 2000 and I think it was 2003 Las Vegas Bowl jersey. Nice, nice. What you will find with Knoxville Nate is every week it's a random game-worn player jersey. Some guy that you probably have not thought about in 10, 15 years, although you should know Brandon Chilar as he won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers and also played with the St. Louis Rams, I believe, and uh, is one of like three NFL players to come from uh, American Indian descent. So keep that little fun fact hidden away in the back of your mind. You never know I, I, what you're going to learn here on man coverage. I, I did not know that. I did <laughs> not know that. I have to admit, I did not know he came from Indian American descent. Yep. Yep. Uh, you stick around me, buddy, and you will learn something. I don't know if it'll help you, but you will learn something. Um, so we got a lot to talk about today. I realize college football is over. Uh, we had a fantastic season culminated uh, into a fantastic national championship game, so to speak. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we talked about in injuries for Bama, I think played a big part in Georgia's national championship, but Georgia earned it, man. They had the best defense in college football. One of the best defenses I have seen. So we must give them credit, but now we have to figure out what's going on in the off season. We've got to talk, uh, you know, preseason rankings. We got to talk recruiting. We got to talk portal. We got to talk coaches. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. Our boy Rico is out recruiting. He's not going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So me and James are going to be holding it down. And uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is something I don't usually like to talk about, and that is the team up north. And a um, little bit of dysfunction going on up there, which I like. Um, you know, let's let's just let's talk facts. Michigan struggled uh, 2020, had major problems. Uh, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, actually. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Harbaugh had to take him a uh, pay cut. Was not happy about it. Let's be honest. This year, all the stars aligned and everything went really well for them. Uh, and Jimmy's going to hold him to the fire because he is getting offers from NFL teams. Uh, this week, Mike McDonald, the Michigan defensive coordinator, let's be honest, Michigan was led by their defense, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, as well as Ajabo, um, the other defensive end. Dax you know, Hill. Really, yeah, they, they really spearheaded that team's success. So, uh, McDonald, their defensive coordinator, who was only there one year, is now gone and headed to the NFL and is going to be with Jim's brother, John Harbaugh, uh, for the foreseeable future. Also, we got word yesterday that uh, Jimmy Harbaugh is interviewing 
with the Vikings, or at least that they are trying to interview with him. I some some rumors are he's already interviewed. Other rumors are they've requested an interview. I don't know which is true, but he's definitely talking to some NFL teams and his defensive coordinator is gone. What's going on up there, James? You know, that's going to be interesting to see if he does go to the Vikings. I mean, I can see it and I can't see it. I mean, if I'm an NFL team, you know, sure, you look at the record and what he did at San Francisco was remarkable, bringing them to a Super Bowl to go up against his brother. But the problems he had with the front office there, especially with the new GM, I'm not sure I'd be all buying in. But let's say he does go, okay? I mean, there are a couple names that pop in my head right away who would be instant candidates. I think from a continuity standpoint, because Michigan tends to not rock the boat except that one stretch after Lloyd Carr, I could see them going after a guy like Josh Gaddis. And you keep the continuity there, a lot of the staff there. I think it helps out a lot. And another name that keeps popping in my head is Matt Campbell. I mean, Matt Campbell makes it very out there that he, he, you know, if one of those jobs like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame opened up, he'd take the call. He'd listen. And I I, I think Campbell would be a great fit. I mean, there are other names out there, but those are the real two top names that I kind of think about if Harbaugh did move on to that next level. Yeah, I mean, mean, as Matt Campbell lost a little bit of his luster, though, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Matt Campbell was one of the brightest coaching prospects in all of college football over the last four or five years because of what he's done at Iowa State. However, the last two years with a proven, um, you know, senior quarterback, Iowa State has struggled. Has the luster worn off? You know, I don't think so. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Iowa State. And he has taken Iowa State to a place they've never been. I mean, they're just – Relevance. Yeah. I mean (laughs) – I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. when they fly somebody in on a recruiting visit, they got to drive down to Des Moines to pick the guy up. There's no airport names. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's a tough place to coach. It's really difficult. And what Matt Campbell has done there is unreal. I mean, they're never going to be a consistent 10-win team. They're just not. They just don't have the resources to be playing that realm. Now, in the new Big 12 could they be better? Absolutely. I mean, Campbell's proven it. Wherever he's gone, he's done well. But, I mean, when a job like Michigan comes calling, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, if I were him, I would seriously consider it and, yeah, and, no. and, and try to take over that helm. No, I agree. I, I think I think he I think he probably should have left last year, honestly, because like you said, what's he going to do? He's not going to win the national championship at Iowa State. Yeah. I like how he has been loyal to them. Uh, loyalty is not something that we see a ton in college football these days. So I want to give him a little bit of respect uh, for staying in one place and trying to make it happen. But he's not going to win the title there. Let's let's be honest. I mean, yeah, he potentially win, um, you know, a big 12 title there, maybe. Uh, after, you know, Oklahoma and Texas take off, not like Texas, Texas has given him any problems, but yeah, after Oklahoma leaves, he could potentially win it, but I don't see him winning the national championship. So why not capitalize on what you've done and, um, and take a big job. But obviously we're speculating here. Uh, the Michigan job would have to come open first, but you know, there's definitely some rumblings going on in Ann Arbor 
And, um, you know, I love it. I would, I'm actually want Jimbo to come back so he can kick his ass again and, uh, <laughs> and all, uh, all will be right with the world. But I digress. Um, another, another piece of news in uh, the SEC world and something we talked about before was that Derek Mason uh, was basically being relieved of his duties. Uh, they basically let him resign, essentially, and, and, and gave him a little bit of respect, which they should have, because I believe the, the core of that Auburn team was their defense as well. He has moved on and is joining the mullet in Oklahoma State. Uh, Coach Gundy didn't waste time and, and got Derek Mason in there, which I think is a good move. I like Derek Mason as a defensive coordinator. I think he will do a good job. They've already got a good defense in place. And I think he'll add his own touch and and um, continue uh, the trend for the Cowboys. What do you think, James? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you on that. I, I mean, you, you know, it, Oklahoma State's got more money than people realize. And I, I think it's a really good fit as a whole uh, for them. I, I never understood why they wanted to get rid of him. I mean, the guy has proven it time and time again on why he does what he does. And uh, but, you know, we don't know what's going on in the locker room or in, you know, coaches meetings. Maybe it just wasn't a good fit internally, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but just, you know, pretty interesting that uh, those moves were made and, and something we should definitely discuss. And we'll continue to watch uh, what's going on in the, in the coaching world. And we'll see if there's anything else that, that, that comes up that's big uh, in the next couple of weeks, because there's still some, some moving, some staffs being, uh, you know, completed and some moves being made. Uh, pr pretty much all of the head coaching hires have been done. Uh, some news coming out at Tempe with the Arizona State Sun Devils. Four of their coaches have been either ousted either by resigning or being fired uh, due to recruiting violations. So uh, Herm Edwards is going to have to be hiring some folks. Yeah, I mean, I, quite frankly, after what I saw when this story broke out, I was questioning if Herm Edwards is going to coach the season yeah. and that Arizona State was going to get rid of him. But, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he's definitely on a hot seat right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, there's been some other violations that have occurred out there. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit more, uh, you know, wins to keep your job. Obviously, if you can win, a lot will be forgiven. And while we're talking about coaches, I, I've got to, I've got to, I got to ask, what the hell is Brian Kelly doing? I mean, this guy... Have you yeah, seen the videos? Did you see the video I sent you of him dancing? I wish I had saved it so we could watch it right now. But he, he, yeah, I, he looks like a creeper, honestly. He, he's it, gone absolutely cuckoo, and we need somebody needs to talk to him because he is not a dancer. And oh my gosh, what is it, going on? It, it looks so weird. I mean, <laughs> granted, I mean. They have so many needs to fill right now with guys that have transferred out, guys that have left the program. I mean, heck, they only had 30, 35 scholarship players in the bowl game. Why Why are they even playing the bowl game? And I, 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 I just look at that and I'm like, I think he's going to have a rough go of it at first. But let's be honest, at the end of the day in Louisiana, 
that fan base is going to be recruiting just as hard as the head coach to keep that those home guys uh, homeboys home. And yeah. there is so much talent in the state of Louisiana that they could restock really quick um, and make them really competitive. But it's going to take some time. I mean, it, it, it gets a lot to get to that scholarship limit. So, I, you know, Brian Kelly, I mean, remember when Jim Harbaugh started off at, uh, at Michigan? He did a lot of weird recruiting stuff, and it didn't go over well. He scaled back. And hopefully Kelly realizes some of the mistakes because I can only imagine Nick Saban rolling his eyes every time somebody passes him the social media of what uh, Kelly's doing in Baton Rouge. The funny thing is, is that he's uh, he's actually doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's actually getting um, some good recruits. He's actually, you know, getting some guys in the portal. I mean, he got Max Johnson. He got Max Johnson's brother. Um, you know, it, it's crazy to oh, me. Oh, no, they went to they, A&M. They went to A&M. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm talking about um, the co- he did get a quarterback. Um, yeah, he got, um, yeah, uh, t- he got Miles Brennan to stay. He's gotten some, I mean, he's gotten some guys through the portal. Um, yeah. you know, LSU's ranked in the top five in uh, in the portal right now, as far as who they're, they're bringing in. And they've, they've also, you know, the recruiting hasn't gone as well, but that's that was to be expected with the coaching change. So yeah. I, I think the fact that he's getting all these guys through the portal is pretty amazing considering the fake accent, the horrible dancing. I mean, uh, it, it, it's nuts to me. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's working, but it, it is. it does seem to be working. I mean, the guy's a winner. Uh, he's the winningest coach in uh, Notre Dame history. So, I mean, the question is, can he win at LSU, James? I think he can. I just don't see it happening right away. I mean, they're going to have players, but they're going to have no depth. And in the SEC, if you don't have a good 2-3 depth chart, you're in trouble. I mean, because injuries are going to happen in that conference. Heck, any conference for that matter. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, yeah, obviously we'll continue to to watch, you know, the college football coaching carousel and, and what's going on with that. Um, we're also going to have a guest today. We're going to have the Bowling Green Hall of Fame quarterback, Joshua Harris, is going to be joining us. He just texted me. Uh, he's going to come on. Uh, this guy was an absolute dog at the quarterback position. He helped uh, basically invent the spread offense with Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen at Bowling Green in 2003. Uh, was the Motor, uh, Motor City Bowl MVP over Northwestern. And... Um, threw for almost 4,000 yards and ran for 1,000 yards in his senior season. He put up video game numbers. It was exciting watching Bowling Green play it during his time period there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was fun to watch, and he was a great player, was drafted uh, for drafted by the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, you know, played some professional football too. Uh you know, great guy, great player, interested, very interested to talk to him. Also want to talk a little bit about our 2002, uh, 2022, excuse me, impact freshman. Uh, we talked about it last year. We broke down the guys. I nailed it. I just want to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Henderson, uh, was my number one guy and he was a freshman all American. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I was right on a lot of my picks. Rico was right on a lot of his guys. And tonight, uh, we're going to talk about the impact freshman for 2022. James, I'm going to let you start it off. 
and uh, talk to me about some of the guys that you think are going to tear it up as freshmen. I, I, I think we should start off with Luther Burden. Um, he, he has drumped up the char- uh, charts so much. Uh, great talent. I mean, everybody and their dog was recruiting this kid. Now he has jumped up all the way to number three. When I looked at the list, I mean, I prepared this a little while back, but he is just somebody that really jumps off the charts for me. He's out of East St. Louis, Illinois, which has produced some insane talent over the years. Uh, I mean, from a speed standpoint, power standpoint, I mean, people remember like Brian Cox in the NFL, Kellen Winslow. I mean, the list goes on and on. But when you watch him play, there's a, I mean, he's got really good speed. But his hips and footwork are unreal. Like, this kid cuts on a dime. And you look at what the alpha nerd, Drinkwitz, does at Missouri. If they can get that quarterback situation solidified, I can see him being on the field and really doing a lot of damage. I mean, the comps I've been seeing on him of Jeremy Mackland or Amari Cooper. Honestly, when I watch this kid, I see Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, this this is a kid who I think is going to come in right away and make a real impact. And probably be first team all sec by a sophomore year what are your thoughts nate you know i was actually blown away that missouri got this guy i mean look at him on tape i mean he's he looks solid he looks fast he looks explosive um you know this east st louis like you said has produced some ballers i i always think about uh my boy ezekiel elliott coming out of that area um you know they also produced a hell of a lot of uh, basketball players too uh, it's just a great athletic hotbed. And this guy, look at him. I mean, he can catch the ball. He can see the field. He just jumped over somebody. Um, you know, he, he's got the he's got burner speed, uh, breakaway ability. I mean, everything you want as far as a wide receiver. And to be honest, I think he's the top recruit that Missouri has had since Doriel Green Beckham. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Do you, I mean, and, and to me, he looks a little – I mean, he's different. Uh, than Doriel Green Beckham. He, he's a little bit, he's not as big um, and he looks a little bit shiftier, uh, but I definitely like what I see from him on tape. And I think with that Missouri offense and the way, I mean, Missouri kind of flew under the radar last year, but they actually played pretty well considering um, the personnel that they had. Oh, I mean, offensively, the, the alpha nerd has done an incredible job. Their problem was on defense. They couldn't stop a cold. And, you look, I mean, he has really, Drinkwitz has put a huge emphasis on recruiting the state of Missouri, specifically St. Louis. And East St. Louis just being right across the river in the suburban St. Louis area, I mean, this is a kid he had to get. And you're right. It's This is kind of like Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, he needed this type of kid to really reshape the image and culture of what he's trying to do nationwide. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, that... When I think of Missouri, I think of offense and I think of, um, you know, their ability to throw the ball, um, you know, with with Drew Locke and um, a lot of their other guys that they've had in the past 10, uh, 12 years. Uh, A lot of times they've been able to get the get it done. Connor Bazelak. I mean, before he moved down to Indiana, I mean, that kid was slinging it. Yeah, why why did he leave? I mean, that that's a that's question. a great question. I, I I don't know, but you know, a lot of these guys you don't understand why they leave certain programs. But I wish them the best of luck in Bloomington, and yeah. with Tom Allen there. So no, I do too. Um, I'm going to go next, and I'm going to talk about someone that I got to see up close and personal here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and that is the number two overall player 
in Walter Nolan. Uh, this guy, defensive lineman, uh, he's probably roughly about 6'4", 325 pounds. I mean, let's be honest, he's a man among boys. And I kind of thought, you know, this guy probably just dominates because of his size. You know, I don't know what kind of motor he has. I, I just, you know, good Lord. I don't know if you just saw that play, but I he did. destroyed uh, that guy. I mean, look at this. I mean, he, this guy lives in the backfield. I, I have to admit, I just kind of thought, oh, he's probably overhyped. He's probably just, you know, dominates in high school because of his size, whatever. And then I went and I saw him play because he transferred into Powell High School here in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee this year and played his senior season and took Powell to their first and only state championship. And the the hype is real, is what I've got to say about this guy. Um, I, I look at him scoring touchdowns. I mean, this guy, he, he causes touchdowns. He scores touchdowns. They put him at running back. Um, he can do it all. I mean, he's a tremendous, tremendous athlete for someone who's 6'4", 325. And let me tell you, I stood next to him. He is all of 6'4", 325. This is a dude that can stop the run. This is a guy that can get after the passer and cause trouble in the passing game. Um, I think by midseason, he will be starting at Texas A&M, which is a huge, huge saying because their defensive line was damn good last year, and they've got some guys coming back. I, I mean, you look at the, the, the two things where I kept seeing film on him that really pop off the charts with me is his vision and his twitch. I mean, this kid gets off the ball so fast. But more importantly, people really discount his vision. And honestly, you just watch him tracking the ball. As soon as the snap goes off, he really sees the feel and what's going on in the backfield right away. And you're right. I, I could easily see Jimbo putting him in there. Jimbo's not a big fan of playing freshman right away, but it's kind of hard to keep a guy like this off the field. This guy's not your typical freshman. No. Uh, this guy is um, he's seasoned. Like I said, he's played at a number of different high schools throughout his um, high school career, and he's been in different environments, and he's uh, excelled at every single one of them. It doesn't matter where you put him; he's he's going to be ready to go. Six four, three twenty five will travel, and uh, this guy is an athletic six four, three twenty five. And I, I, um, you know, he's one of the best defensive linemen I've ever seen in this area. Um, you know, going back to a couple of years ago, um, you know, when when we had a pretty good one at, at Catholic with the uh, guy that went on to play at Tennessee, um, you know, th that's a guy too, that also played at a couple of different high schools and, and Walter did. And, and I don't think that's a knock on him. Um, I think it's a positive because he, you know, went to different areas, uh, went into different schemes and was able to play well in all of them. You know, there was a highlight about four back that just really emphasized my thought process on vision. He got off the line, I mean, he got off his block and then just shuffled down the line, watching the running back and quarterback and still got in the backfield, you know, five, six uh, step uh, side steps to the left and then accelerate forward. I mean, that's just great vision anticipation. You know, it, 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 you got to you got to like this kid because he's doing stuff that college guys and pro guys are doing right now. Yeah, he's got they're, they're going to take it to the next level and really make an impact. Yeah, he's got a great first step. Uh, like you said, he's got great vision. He's got great quickness, and he's got some different moves. I mean, it's not if you're if you watch that film there, it wasn't just bull rushing. Um, yeah, he can get around guys. He can do a swim move, all that. Um, James, I'll let you go to your next uh, impact freshman.
Hey, I, you got to go with Drew Aller out of Medina High School in Ohio. He's going to Penn State next year. I, I, honestly, I kept going round and round on the comps on this guy, but the comp that keeps coming back to me more and more is Josh Allen. I mean, wow. this is a kid who's got a big arm. I wish he would keep the ball a little higher and uh, up higher rather than so low, kind of like what Rob Johnson did at USC. But you can't deny his arm strength. And I mean, once Sean Clifford gets through his what doctorate program at Penn State, because it seems like he's been there for <laughs> a decade. It I mean, does I think seem like, like he's been there for a while now. I, I mean, but this is a real. I mean, six five, two thirty. I, I mean, you can't deny it. And there are scouts around the country that are just blown away by this kid. And you look at that receiving core at Penn State with his arm strength, I think he could really extend the field a lot more and hopefully help out that running game, which their offensive line has done them no favors. I mean, you look back at Saquon Barkley, it's amazing what he did when that offensive line really wasn't the greatest in the loss of Journey Brown. I mean, the biggest problem with Penn State this year was their lack of running game. And Aller's ability of really extending the field is going to help them a lot. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. Uh, the the offense at Penn State was was a disappointment all year. Oh, completely. I, I like Sean Clifford, um, guy that played at St. Xavier in Cincinnati, uh, high school that holds a, a soft place in my heart. Um, I love Coach Specht and all that they – I respect everything they do there. But he just – he didn't play that well, and he was banged up at times. Really, their best offense was either him uh, throwing it to Dotson or him running. And uh, that was pretty much all they had. And when he was injured, they did nothing. Um, you know, I can see this guy getting on the field uh, pretty quickly and potentially replacing Clifford uh, during the season. I mean, the only downside I could see this, him getting that much playing time right away, is you know Clifford's got that locker room. And it drew, I think, getting there early and getting the camaraderie with the teammates and having them believe in him is going to help him out quite a bit. But, I mean, you look at that arm strength, it's Josh Allen. It's like watching a carbon copy of the guy. And I, I, I hate putting that much pressure on a kid, but man, there's so many similarities just in throwing style and how he attacks a game. It just looks very similar. He looks, he looks good. He looks like he can make every throw. Uh, he looks like he can pretty much do anything you need to do and they need help on offense. So uh, we're running out of time here on this segment. So I want to get to my next guy. And that is the number one linebacker in the country coming out of high school. Look at this kid, number one from Archbishop Alter in Dayton, Ohio, C.J. Hicks. This guy is a run-and-hit linebacker. Watch him. He can come off the edge, smack the quarterback, cause turnovers. He can intercept passes. He played running back. He played receiver. Uh, there's nothing this guy cannot do. Um, he's got extreme football intelligence. He's got an explosive first step. Um, and this is a guy, he also returns punts, as you can see right here, uh, because he was the best player on the field when he was in high school. This guy's a five-star. Uh, he's a dude, man. He is the dude. And that's what Ohio State has lacked a little bit on, on defense the past couple of years. Think back to when the dominant Ohio State defenses have been out there. It was Chase Young. It was Joey Bosa. It was Nick Bosa. Uh, these guys that just made a difference. A.J. Hawk. Uh, going to back way back in the day. Uh, there was always a guy that was just the best player on the field that could always make a play uh, when you needed a play made. That is this guy. This guy, I can see in C.J. Hicks, I can see him starting as a freshman. Maybe not day one, but I can see him definitely starting uh, this season. And that's because 
he's a difference maker. He's already six foot three, 215 pounds, and the number seventh rated player nationally, number one linebacker, uh, number one player in the state of Ohio. Uh, let's be honest, the state of Ohio has got some damn good football players, and to be ranked the number one player in the entire state is saying something. And um, I just can't find anything wrong uh, with this guy's game. You know, it, it, this is a bad comparison, okay? But I'm talking more from an impact right away. This reminds me a lot of Andy Katz and Moyer. Grant, I am dating myself a lot right now. You know, we're talking late 90s. But look at when Andy Katz and Moyer got on the field his freshman year. You knew he was the best player on the field. And C.J. Hicks has that potential on a linebacking core that – really struggled last year. I mean, heck, for the last two years. And, I, I, I mean, you look at the depth chart, I think he could come in and really do the damage for uh, Ohio State. Yeah, they, they're going to need – I mean, that's that's the other thing is uh, not only is he good enough to play for the Buckeyes and play in the Big Ten right away, but also this is a position of need. I mean, oh. Cody Simon, um, you know, Cade Stover – um, Steel Chambers. I mean, Stover and Chambers were two guys that played offense that the Buckeyes had to move to the linebacker position just because of depth and because of need. And to be honest, Steel Chambers, by the end of the year, was probably their best linebacker. And this is a guy that played three years of running back at Ohio State. So I like Steel Chambers. He did a great job. I give him tons of credit. But that is not a good thing when your third or fourth string running back moves to linebacker and is your best player at the position. Um, that's that's not good. So I, I think that, you know, not only is C.J. Hicks good enough to play right away for Ohio State, but he they also need him to play right away. They need this guy out on the field uh, to make an impact. They need him out there to, you know, just have that playmaking ability that the defense honestly has been lacking uh, the last two or three years. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. So we'll see what happens with CJ, but I think that uh, I think he gets out on the field early. I think he gets out on the field often, and I think that he'll make it an immediate impact uh, on this defense. And we've got to, you know, we've got to think that he also uh, has got Mr. Styles, uh, another five-star player who uh, is from Pickerington Cent uh, Central, Sonny Styles, who is the number two ranked player in the state of Ohio. Uh, he is also uh, going to be uh, playing for the Buckeyes and definitely getting out on the field early. So those are our impact freshmen for 2022. Those are the guys that me and James are going to see out in the field early and often. And uh, now we're going to welcome in our guests. We've got uh, Mr. Joshua Harris ready to join us, and I'm going to pop him in. Joshua, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, we are just uh, talking a little college football here. We've been uh, breaking it down all season. Obviously, the season is over, and uh, we are, you know, talking about everything that that lies within uh, the off season. And um, you know, we had a pretty good year this year and got to see uh, somebody besides Alabama uh, win the national championship, which we enjoyed. Um, and uh, obviously Georgia had a pretty good season. Did you get a chance to uh, to watch the title game, and what did you think of Georgia this year? Um, I did watch the title game. Um, I mean, I, I thought that Georgia was strong. I thought that uh, 
it was a solid game, and ultimately uh, they made less mistakes, uh, kind of overpowered Alabama, and um, you know obviously pulled it out. You know the um, the quarterback story is pretty uh, phenomenal. I don't know how that happens really at a place like Georgia, <laughs> but I mean it happened, right? And um, yeah. you know he took advantage of his opportunity, and um, and we'll see we'll see what's next for him. And you know in the end, I don't even know what what year in school he is or how many years left that he has. But yeah, that was a pretty phenomenal story and, and a great game. Yeah, I mean, that guy, um, you know, he's coming back. He's got one more year, and they've done everything they can uh, to try and get him off the field. And uh, as a guy that played quarterback in, in college and had so, as much success as you, um, you've got to, you know, you've got to give that guy some credit for the way that he, you know, went to junior college, came back to Georgia, and then they tried to recruit over him, tried to get, replace him with the transfer portal, uh, but he beat him out. I mean, uh, I've got a lot of respect for the guy and what he did. Uh, what do you, what do you think about what he was able to do with, uh, you know, the tables kind of be turned against him? Well, I mean, <clears throat> any athlete, all you can really ask for is an opportunity to, to get on the field and show what you can do. And, um, you know, his story is a testament to uh, patience uh, I'm sure there probably was some circumstance in there, maybe a little bit of luck as well. Maybe somebody got hurt. Maybe somebody wasn't patient. Maybe somebody uh, that they tried to put in front of them uh, thought it was going to be something that it wasn't. And so they left. Who know? I don't know the story well enough to know. But one thing that we do know is when he did get his opportunity, um, you know, he made the most of it. And that's all that, you know, you got to control the controllables in life and in sports. And, um, you know, he took the one thing that he could control and, and did his thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, by the way, Joshua, this is James Bonneville. Uh, thank you again for coming to the show. I was a huge fan of you when you were at Bowling Green. I, I, you know, I, I, I was sitting there rewatching some of your film last night. And I, 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 I mean, heck, you helped be part of developing the spread before the spread became in fashion. And it was always interesting watching you on running plays and how, especially your center guard combinations, your interior line. I mean, like guys mm -hmm. like Mazur and, uh, and I know I'm going to book butcher the other guy's name. Um, Muskowski is that was, is that the guy's Scott name? Murkowski. Murkowski, yeah, Murkowski. Yeah. And how you like what read those guys so well and they helped you so much in the run game. Could you talk a little bit more on how much that interior line really helped develop your game when you were at Bowling Green? Yeah. I mean, we had, I had amazing teammates, um, um, an, an incredible coaching staff. Uh, each facet of the coaching staff was outstanding and has had uh, long careers, you know, coach stud, uh, coach Sadrawa was the offensive line coach in, at Ohio State until this past year. Um, him, along with uh, John Hevesy, coached the tackles and tight ends. Um, he maybe just left Mississippi State or may still be down there. I don't know. He was with Coach Mullen for a long time. Coach Mullen, the quarterback coach. Like, we had a rock star staff, even down to our GAs. You know, one of the years our GA, offensive GA, was uh, – Zach Azani, who's the wide receivers coach at uh, one of the Denver Broncos. The next year when he left, the the uh, the offensive GA was Matt Campbell. 
Might have heard of him. He's at Iowa State. You know, uh, bringing bringing that bringing that um, group into the forefront, right? Um, then you know the defensive GA was DJ Durkin, uh, which yeah. was also uh, the captain my freshman year at Bowling Green. So we had a star-studded crew. They coached those guys up uh, very, very well. Um, I don't remember it being anything. Um, man, running the ball is a field thing. Um, yeah. And some people got it and some people don't. Probably very similarly to uh, what those guys have to do up front and those combo blocks and knowing when to move off and go to the second level and, and things like that. It just worked out, man. I, that's really all I can say. Um, you know, all all the pieces of our of our team were kind of kind of clicking uh, some of the time while we were there at Bowling Green. Yeah, yeah. I, I, your vision was just. I mean, th- there's a lot of parts of your game that really stood out, but your vision was one that just just jumped off the charts for me. I mean, just you just had a feel for the game where it seemed like everything just kind of slowed down, and and you just knew how to create those opportunities when they happened. I mean, heck, especially during the time you were there, there was there was so much talent in the Mac. I mean, before the yeah. Mac became Maction, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, Byron Leftwich, uh, I mean, go down the line. I mean, heck, Mike Turner at uh, at Northern Illinois. I mean, it was – every yeah. game was a brawl. And uh, looking back on it, is it kind of uh, – is it kind of shocking? Or did you kind of always see that when you were watching film and playing against those guys that you knew that they were going to take that next step at the next level? No, I don't think that uh, anybody knew. Um, at least I didn't. I wasn't paying attention. I normally, I was pretty focused on the task at hand. I knew that there was a lot of talent in our conference, but I didn't know that you know Ben Roethlisberger would go on to play eighteen years and win two Super Bowls and probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like I don't, I didn't know that. Um, you know, Michael Turner had a very productive career until he retired. Uh, or ran into a, uh, you know, the juggernaut that is Ladanian Tomlinson, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, you you just don't know. Josh Cribbs was in the league at that time. Um, yeah. You know, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer as a special teamer. Oh, um, you know, Bruce Gradkowski had a 10-year career in the league as a backup. Toledo. I mean, Char- yeah. Charlie Fry. I mean, there were guys, um, Jason Babin, Greg Jennings yeah. uh, at Western Michigan. Uh, so, no, I didn't know. Uh, all I knew is that we wanted to win every game uh, that we played, and we did our best to do so. Yeah, no doubt. The Mac was unbelievable back then and is still one of my favorite. Being an Ohio guy, uh, you know, I love watching Mac football, and, you know, some people around the country kind of miss out on it because they, they may not know about it or don't get to watch it as much. But it, that's that's where football, you know, is precedent is in that area and I love watching those teams play and you know the game definitely has changed you know Joshua from that time and I just want to get your thoughts on some things you know that are that are new you know back then if you wanted to transfer and go somewhere else because you weren't getting to play you know you had to sit out a year and there was um, you know the the schools had the ability to block where you could go and um, obviously you know you couldn't get paid and get the NIL money so I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the new things uh, that have popped up in college football and and how you think um, it's going to change the game moving forward. So where do you want to start? 
start with the uh, start with the transfer, man. I mean, what do you think about uh, the ability for guys to go? I've always been for it. I think that if you know you're sold a bill of goods, you get to a school, and it's not like you were you know told it was going to be. I think you should be allowed to go somewhere else. What do you think? So I don't know how the transfer portal works. Uh, maybe you could tell me how. I mean, uh, is anybody allowed to leave any time without penalty? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That's nuts. It becomes the wild, Um, wild west. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, the transfer portal, I'm a strong proponent of the um, principle, you got to take the good with the bad. And so um, there's good for the transfer portal and, and there's bad for the transfer portal. I think that the transfer portal probably hurts high school players that are coming out. Yeah. Um, and it helps college players that are in school. Yeah. Uh, I think that there are situations and circumstances where um, the transfer portal makes perfect sense and probably makes somebody tons of money because they were able to leave and uh, go to a new place uh, that might be a better situation for themselves. I think that the recruiting process is um, a difficult one. I think that when you are being um, recruited and catered to and courted by these colleges, but then also rushed into a decision, it could have, this is what you get, right? I go to this place either because, you know, I had the most fun on my visit or they had the prettiest girls or the coach seemed to like me the best or they had the nicest facilities, but I didn't pay attention to how I fit into their system or that, you know, I just think that for something that's such a huge decision for these 17 and 18 year old kids, and we're going through it right now with my son, my oldest son, um, you know, we're, we're kind of lightly uh, getting into the recruiting process. I believe both of my sons will play. Uh, Division one college football, you know, you know, barring any injuries or anything like that. But um, it's just, I mean, you can go to a place and, you know, you fall in love with that position coach, but maybe they don't fit in systematically, but the guy is so good, you know, and that's the guy you're going to spend all your time with. And that could be a heavy influencer over your situation. Maybe, you know, you don't like the environment, the area that the school is in. But, but when you get on campus, you don't feel that. Now you got to go to school there for the next four or five years and you drive down the street in this area that you don't want to be in or, you, you know, this area that's so remote that you don't want to, you're like, man, I got to go 30 minutes to be able to get to a mall. Like that is, you know, that I think that it's hard to make. Um, and a lot of people do make the right decision, but it's, but it's hard. It takes a little bit of luck. Uh, take some 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 proper planning. It takes some mental fortitude to to stick it out, uh, and or some courage to leave. Like yeah. people are not talking about people are not talking about when when this when these cats jump in the transfer portal. Basically, that everyone jumps on them. Everyone being the fans jump on yeah. them and say that the guy is afraid to compete. Well, like nobody likes breaking up with people. Yeah. 
Like, do you realize how hard it is to tell your teammates I'm leaving, bro? Like, you're leaving your roommate. The guys that you came in with, and this is why I don't, I I tend to not get into back and forth with fans because they just really don't know. Yeah. Um, Well, so again, I think it's good and bad. And uh, I think in the case by case situation, it's, it probably changes or saves somebody's life or future. Kind of going along the same topic. I mean, you look at your recruiting process. You were recruited by Coach Blackney, and then Urban Meyer comes in, and then Coach Brandon. I mean, what was your thought process during those coaching changes of yourself? I mean, I mean that's kind of a traumatic thing because I know a lot of players sit there and you know worry. You know, is the <clears throat> offense going to be help benefit me and the team long term? I mean, go through that process with me. What was your headspace during that time period? Um, well, uh, my freshman year, Coach Blackney, when he basically announced his resignation midseason, um, I, I was kind of going through my own thing. Like, I didn't even want to play football anymore, not because of Coach Blackney leaving or I was going to transfer home and uh, go to Ohio State and just be a student or walk on and play football. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had kind of walked down those steps you know, I had registered for school or applied to, you know, applied to get to school and everything. And it just was last minute that I decided, you know, I went with my gut. My gut told me you can't go home. And uh, I went back to school in the uh, in the winter for winter break. And, um, you know, the rest is history, right? Because uh, Coach Meyer was, was there and um, you know, stuck it out. Now, when Coach Meyer leaves, um, it's coming off the heels of a, a strong junior season. And, you know, the NFL is, you know, the NFL conversation is looming. And it's like, uh, well, if they don't hire Coach Brandon, do I leave and uh, just take my chances in the league? And uh, at that time, I had a fifth and sixth round grade. And, um, you know, so I'm like, well, and then they hired Coach Brandon. So so I stayed. Um, but, you know, at that time, you know, the, the day before we had the team team meeting, I had teammates calling me saying if Coach My- I heard Coach Myers leaving. I'm like, I don't believe it until he says it, um, you know, but people asking me if he leaves, are you going? Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't even I can't even think about that. I don't even know that that's an option. Like you, you guys are way far down the line uh, than me. I'm, I'm, I'm here right now in this moment thinking that he's going to be still our coach next year. So uh, go ahead. No, no, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like how a lot of fans only look at it from the wins and loss perspective, but they don't understand the headspace of the players and how big traumatic that is, especially going through the recruiting process. I mean, everything could kind of change on a dime and it's just good to hear that kind of stuff. What you just said right there, because Normal people, normal fans don't know that. They don't know what you guys are going through. No, they don't. And, you know, it was, um, you know, a situation where when Coach Meyer made his announcement that he was leaving, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. You're talking about, yeah, you know, 18 to 22-year-old young men that are reeling, that have bought into an entire program, experienced great success over the course of the last 24 months. And now hitting the reset button, I mean, it was a situation where I mean, there was one guy in the locker room named Javon Burks, 
he was our middle linebacker and uh, one of my co-captains for my senior year. And um, I mean, without him standing up and doing and saying what he said when he stood up, there's no telling what happens in that room. People might start to scatter, right? Uh, but he, he reminded us, he reminded us that it's not about the coaches or the administration. He reminded us that it's about the person on your left and your right, and that's who we actually play for. It's not about the fans. It's not about it's not even about the university. It's about the guys in that room. And people were able to grab onto that. That ended up being the glue that hold us held us together. Um, and then, you know, post-meeting, the, the defensive guys come up and they're like, hey, you know, if we can make a play for Coach Brandon to be the guy and you guys can continue to score 35 or 40 points a game, we'll be okay over here on the defense. We'll figure it out. And so we went up and requested that from the athletic director, you know, uh, myself, Scott Murkowski, I think was another guy that came into the room. And, um, um, you know, we said, uh, well, we want Coach Brandon. And uh, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it under advisement. I said, I don't think you understand. Like, I don't know what kind of team you're going to have in the fall. Like, if, And it's not like we were trying to strong arm them. We were just telling the truth. Yeah. Like, we were telling the truth, man. Like, we're not trying to go through this again. And, um, you know, I don't know what the, what dominoes would have fell, um, you know, especially as it relates to the skill guys. Uh, you know, if I would have if I would have left either to try to follow Coach Meyer or, you know, or, or just gone to the league, I don't really know. Uh, obviously, they had, you know, Omar was there. He played after me and uh, did an awesome job. Um, um, you know, an incredible season in the season that he played. So maybe, maybe there's no drop off. Uh, but I, I would venture to say that, that that my senior season and him having another another year to develop from a high school player, um, and seeing that type of success and seeing how to um, run and lead a team probably helped his development for the year that he did have because he went like 41 touchdowns and four in his you know, premier season. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I knew he was going to be really, really good um, and special uh, from the time he walked on the campus. But, um, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting situation and space, and, and it was um, scary um, Yeah. Um, to think that a new guy could come in and say, hey, I, I'm bringing, uh, you know, it's been real, Josh, but um, you don't really fit what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and how does that impact my situation and my future? So who knows? Yeah, that's I mean, listening to talk about that. I mean, the, the locker room and the brotherhood you guys came together. And I mean, heck, more importantly, how it all kind of came together when you guys beat Northwestern in that Motor City Bowl. It kind of solidified your guys's process when you found out that Coach Meyer left. And it that's awesome to hear. Um, who did you model your game after? Like when you when you went to college, because on I mean, the name that kept popping in my mind is Mike Bishop, the old K State quarterback who was you were probably in high school and he was playing at K State. But I mean, I, wh who did you like model it after? Well, I didn't really model it after anybody. I would say my game was probably more similar to um, to Donovan McNabb's than than Mike Bishop's. Yeah, that um, makes sense, but. But I didn't really model my game after anybody. All I did was my job. You know, people talk all the time about, you know, what was accomplished at 
the university, um, you know, during the during that time, and people are very complimentary and uh, thank me all the time and thank you for putting us back on the map. Honestly, I really just feel like I just did my job, right? So if I was, you know, early in my career, um, we'll talk about when Coach Meyer got there. Like my sophomore year, for the first part of that year, we were splitting time. I was splitting time with the other quarterback, Andy Sam. Um, and I just wasn't ready to do a lot, you know, developmentally, you know, they didn't trust me to throw the ball, especially inside of the box, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't trust me to throw it and not turn it over. I don't remember me being ever turnover prone, all like that, but, um, you know, maybe an accuracy, uh, thing at, at that time, I, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, as I continued to develop, but I would get in and I would run around and they would call plays a, a specific way. Uh, and then at the end of the year, they um, they let me have it all. You know, they, they let me have it all, um, and it worked out. I mean, the last three games of that year, when I, when I started, we stopped splitting time. And I started, I think I probably had, you know, 11 or 1,200 yards passing um, with, I don't know, 10-plus touchdowns passing. And then another – I mean, it was a ridiculous little stretch – and it was a springboard to that junior season. So I didn't really think of myself as modeling my game after anybody. You know, he brought in that offense and, and it asked for certain things at certain times. And I just did my best uh, to to accomplish the mission on each play. Yeah. No, it just seems like a hard, hard hat, you know, hard hat mentality. You went out about just do your job, let your guys do their jobs and everything's going to come together. Thank mm -hmm. you so much on that. Yeah, no doubt. And day, hey, Josh, we're about to get you out of here. I, we really appreciate your time. And before you let you go, I just got one last question, you know, going through the recruiting process now, um, you know, with your son, uh, Jacob, and, and looking at these schools. And like you said, with the portal now, there's less spots uh, available because, you know, some of these schools are going after guys that have already played and have college experience. And so it's tougher uh, for these high school kids to to get chances and to get offers. And I just want to get your feeling on, uh, you know, what it's like looking at the recruiting, uh, you know, aspect from, uh, you know, having your son going through it now as opposed to when you uh, were doing it yourself. Well, I mean, it's um, it's interesting, man. It really it really is. My, my wife also was a big-time college athlete. She was a high jumper at Ohio State, All-American, mm -hmm. Hall of Famer. So our process has been totally different than our son's process. I mean, everything's done on Twitter now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you are, you, you don't know in each college and staff does things differently. Like yeah. some of them, you know, it's just weird. Honestly, it is weird. Some of them are looking to develop internally and organically. Some of them are going for that quick, that quick conversion, you know, that, that college player who's unhappy, boom, he gets over on campus, you know. Um, but just like in life, you really don't know what you've got until you get in it. Um, and so I think this is the reason why some people are jumping in that portal, right? You don't know what you got until you get there. And then, you know, you might see someone in the portal that you like, and they may come, and then you're like, man, I see why you weren't playing over there, right? I see why, you know, whatever. It's not uh, it's not the grass isn't always greener, so to speak. But in the in terms of the recruiting process for for these young young folks, including my son, I would say one of the things that has to be considered is 
you know, go somewhere where they really feel good about you, right? Like, it has to feel good. Like, it has to feel, it should feel like home. If it doesn't feel like home, if you're like, man, this is the biggest school that has offered me a scholarship or this, they have the nicest uh, facilities. Like, if you, there should be some sort of scorecard with the things that you feel are important. Um, you know, I won't name the schools, but like there are certain schools that um, without seeming like braggadocious because I'm really not him. But like when I go to these places with my it's so important for me to be there. Yeah. Right. Because the coaches remember. Yeah. So when I go and I make the introduction, hey, man, I'm Josh Harris. You know, I don't always say I'm Josh Harris played at Bowling Green da, 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 name off my resume, but. Either they remember or I look for an opportunity to, boom, bring the rest to the table. So I'm, I'm Josh Harris. And then if they don't bring it up at some point in the conversation, I'm bringing it to the forefront as well as my wife is a high jumper at Ohio State, Hall of Famer, All-American. So because my kid is a late bloomer, you know, he's grown eight inches in the last, you know, 24 months or whatever. And it's it. So so like he's not on their radar already. Right. He's just getting to the radar. So what, so for us, the people that are looking at him need to understand that what he is today is not what he's going to be in 24 months. Like he has not even scratched the surface of what he actually is athletically. And so you're looking for a place that A, understands that, B, likes even where he's at, is going to have the patience and the skill to develop him that he's going to be a good fit for like you know some of the places i'm asking like hey what's the profile of your receivers you know i don't know whether he's going to be a receiver or tight end it depends yeah. on you know how his body continues to develop uh, my dad who played tight end in the nfl thinks you know told me when he was probably in the sixth grade you know he's going to be a tight end right i said no <laughs> i didn't know that i think he's going to be a receiver but that may be right now he's six three and he's 190 pounds and it's like you know and and hasn't even really developed yet so maybe he's 210 when he gets done with high school yeah. football and and then they put 25 35 pounds on him and you don't really have a whole lot of 240 pound wide receivers or 235 pound wide receivers except for the super freaks like julio and you know the mary some those guys but if my guy's not fast like that right maybe he's not you know brandon marshall but he's travis kelsey you know yeah. like you know, so it, it is really interesting, but I know that for us, what, what we're looking for and what I'm looking for in particular is how quickly can you transit transition from being excited about me and us being on your campus to him? Yeah. You ain't recruiting me, right? <laughs> you, you get your, you need to build a relationship with him. He's the one that has to enjoy the experience. He's the one that has to feel good about it. He's the one that's going to be sitting in those meeting rooms. He's the one that has to 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 that's going to have to uh, you know fall in love with the process and the weight room and the the different nutritional aspects of your deal. I I don't need anything else from this game. I already got what I got. Yeah. And so going through this process has been interesting. I need to know uh, because for our family, we will decide it as a group. Right. This is a huge decision for a seven. I don't understand 17 year old. And I made my own decision. And even yeah. that was like, I can't believe I did that. But 
I mean, you're talking about a commitment that is like the, like the biggest decision you've ever made probably at that point in your life. Oh, and yeah. so, so he, his opinion will be part of the decision. It will not be the sole decision. Yeah. He will have an opportunity to really say though, like, I mean, he'll be a big part of it, huge part of it. And he'll be able to stay, you know, make his claim as to what he wants to do and why he wants to do it. Because I need to know that he went through the thought process appropriately. My wife's little brother went to St. Louis to play basketball. Yeah. Um, he was there for a year, transferred home, went to OU. He should have gone to OU in the first place. It cost him a year. He had to sit out. He was yeah. on that OU team that went to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Right. And so we've already seen this before. I told him what to do before he's kind of going into this. I'm like, we need that. You need to have a list. You need to know what kind of coach you would be willing to play for. Because if you go and play for one of those guys, that's a nut. And that ended up being Rick Majerus. He's like, man, he talks to the players. Like, I can't, I can't. I'm like, bro, you need to know that that's not okay with you. Like, if that's not okay with you, then you can't go to a place like that. You need to, you need to know how you fit into their system. You need all these different things. But I think that ultimately sometimes people get distracted by what they think that they have to do to get to where they want to go uh, and it's like oh man i need to go to the biggest school possible like maybe not like, maybe you need to go to a place that's going to allow you to develop and step into your role and allow your role to morph and change as you continue to improve and so that's kind of what we're uh we're, we're looking at and going through i mean you know, the, the, some of the coaches, like when they see him, I want to see, there's one coach in particular, again, I won't name the school, but when he saw him and was introduced to him the first time, his eyes lit up like he just saw a pretty wife. Like your wife walking down the aisle. Yeah. And you see her standing at the end of the aisle and he's like, wow, right? I'm looking for that type of response. Yeah. Now, since I experienced that, and I'm like, man, he just fell in love with him in an instant, right? Now you have to go and produce to continue to maintain that love because relationships are work. But if you don't respond like that, now that I've experienced it, then what are you thinking when you see him? I don't know. Maybe you, maybe, maybe, maybe you're entertaining him because, man, like, you know, like this guy is a, college football legend dude whatever like you know hey maybe we maybe jacob is as good as his dad but we hope so. no i want you to make your decision based on what you see in him and so um i mean if i never would have experienced that and maybe i wouldn't have i wouldn't have that to go off of because we've yeah. met other people and they're just kind of like oh that's great and they talk to him for a couple minutes and they're back to talking to me it's like like I mean, I mean, I love to talk football just as much as anybody, but dude, I, I mean, this guy's the guy trying to go to school. Like, yeah. I'm gonna go back to selling life insurance once we get done with this. Yeah. So, so like, I man, already man, played, man, you know. Talking to him. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, best of luck to to the search, and I hope uh, I hope you guys find the right fit. I know, um, you know, when I was looking at schools, I, I went to a smaller school and played a little D3 ball because I, I wanted to play. You know, I had some chances to go bigger places, but my biggest thing was I wanted to I wanted to actually play. But as a as a kid, I didn't think about all the work that was going to come with it. You know, I just figured oh, I'll go and play football and that'll be great. But, man, when you get to college, you got to tell them, man, it's a lot of work. There's watching film. There's working out. 
there's running, there's, you know, meetings, it's nonstop. And that's the one thing that I yeah. really remember uh, that was different from playing high school, you know, to playing in college. It was, uh, it was full-time, a full-time gig, in my opinion. For sure. For sure. So. Definitely. Well, awesome, Josh. Well, thank you so much. Like you said, you are thank a legend, man, and we appreciate you so much coming on today. Uh, we enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, best of luck uh, looking at schools for Jacob. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Hey, right, you bye. too. Wow, that was a great interview. <laughs> man, that was awesome. Uh, love that guy as a player. He's a cool guy, too. And um, it's kind of cool just hearing him talk about his career and and talk about um, – you know, looking at it through his son's lens as well, uh, I thought it was really interesting. Well, I mean, the landscape has changed so much. But, I mean, the one thing that I took away from is I could see him being one of those guys in the huddle that when he talks, everybody listens. Like, he oh, yeah. had command of that locker room, of that huddle. And he had that workmanlike mentality that, you know, he had a job to do. Yeah, sure, the stats are great. But, I mean, he took pride in the work he did. And that is that is awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him today. It was great. That was really cool. And um, you know what? It's Some people don't understand, um, you know, what Bowling Green had going on there. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, like he mentioned, he's talking about Omar uh, Jacobs, too. I mean, that guy was a hell of a college quarterback. Uh, Joshua Harris into Omar Jacobs, those two guys combined could not be stopped. Yeah. And I'm talking about through the air, throwing the football, running the football, whatever. You you just could not stop those guys. And they, it was fun to watch, and it was amazing what they were able to do. Uh, the school that, you know, some people don't consider to be a, a college football power, but definitely has had some success in the MAC and and had some really good players uh, go through there. Um, and, and and not, you know, he brought up some guys that, that I had even forgotten uh, that were playing back then, you know, like Charlie Fry and, and Greg Jennings and some of those other huge uh, oh. players that were so good that I just sometimes don't think about. Mac, the Mac has just been so stellar. I mean, it, I mean, heck, even through that, just the 2000s, I mean, Antonio Brown, I mean, go down the list. Every program had players. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like just one program. Every program had players. And the Mac was a slugfest. And a lot of people across the country don't really get a chance to appreciate what the Mac has to offer as a whole. I mean, heck, it's the cradle of coaches. Yeah, How some many of the coaches? greatest coaches. That's what I was just about yeah. to say is some of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, look at Nick Saban, who is the greatest college football coach ever to live. Uh, you know, he played at Kent State. Uh, he coached at Kent State. Uh, he was right there, you know, in the in the cradle of coaches in the MAC. And, you know, Kent State is a place that people think is, you know, uh, not – a good football school, but think of some of the players that have come out of there, you know, hall of fame type players, Julian Edelman, yeah. uh, Antonio Jason Taylor. Yeah. Jason Taylor. I mean, yeah, but I mean, still, still in the Mac though. I'm oh, talking yeah. about still in the Mac. I mean, you look Crazy. across the board. I mean, you go back and look at coaches who have won national championships. It's rare when you see someone not come from the Mac. I mean, it, it's, there's so many Don James, Gary Pinkle, Woody Hayes, Bo Schimbeckler. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on and on and on. And it, it, it's, 
yeah, it, it's a lot of people should really dive in deep that because there's so many, I mean, Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, I, I, the list goes on. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. And, um, I, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, have my family be from Ohio. So I got to watch a lot of Mac football and got to be around it. And, um, you know, my mom went to Kent state. Uh, my dad went to case Western. I went to Ohio Wesleyan. So, you know, my whole family, uh, you know, knows about, uh, Midwest schools and Midwest football and, uh, man, uh, there's been some great coaches and players come from from the Mac and and Joshua Harris, uh, the guy we had on our show today, he was one of them. Got to respect him. I, I I felt like I wasn't even part of the show. That I was just listening in. It was just so great listening to him talk. Yeah, no, it was cool. He brought a lot to the table, and uh, I hope everybody uh, enjoyed it. And we appreciate everybody tuning in. We went a little bit over today, but uh, that's because we uh, we had one of the all time greats. Uh, giving us his perspective on his career and also, uh, you know, his son, who's who's from uh, Westerville Central in Columbus, Ohio. That's where Joshua's from. And um, that's where he still lives uh, there in, in Ohio and in, in Columbus. And his son is playing, uh, like he said, uh, wide receiver tight end. And uh, it's going to be a good one, man. I watched some tape on him and he's got some extreme uh, playmaking ability. So I'm 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 going to pay attention to see where he goes and uh, see what his career turns out to be like. He grew eight inches during the pandemic. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where this height came from, man. His mom was wow. tall because, uh, wow. you know, Josh, Josh was not 6'8", you know. I mean, uh, uh, he was a, a compact uh, runner and passer, but uh, his son is a, is, is a lean, uh, long uh, wide receiver, tight end type guy who uh, – keeps keeps getting bigger every year it seems like absolutely all right well james thank you so much uh for your input today we uh always enjoy talking to you and uh, hopefully we will all be back here next sunday to do it all over again let's do it all right everybody thank you for tuning in to man coverage come back and see us same channel same time next week sunday man coverage coming at you Have a good one, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.